Let us be attentive. The Lord will give strength to his people. Bring to the Lord, O sons of God, bring to the Lord honor and glory. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews. Let us be attentive. Brethren, when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore to himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently endured, obtained the promise. Men indeed swear by a greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he interposed with an oath, so that through two changeable things in which it is impossible that God should prove false, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner shrine behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Peace be with you, the reader. Arise, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. Spirit. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Let us be attentive. Jesus kneeling and saying, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a dumb spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has he had this? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. 
And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You dumb and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he would not have anyone know it. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you. morning. The summer before I began seminary, I went on a trip to Europe. During my travels, I visited the picturesque gardens of the Pitti Palace in Florence, Italy. It may have been the most beautiful place I have ever seen in my life. The lush green palace gardens were adorned with many neoclassical statues of Greco-Roman figures. The gardens also had a number of delightful fountains and countless flowers of blazing red, gold, and royal purple. I was awestruck. Each tree, flower, and statue, every detail of the palace gardens contributed to the greater beauty of the whole of the gardens. The amount of work to cultivate these gardens, planting, watering, and pruning, must have been enormous. The work of the gardeners transformed the ordinary landscape into something spectacular. Yet, the work of the gardeners is often carried out unseen or unnoticed. 
As we observe Lent, our focus is on, on another garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. In this garden, another type of work is being completed. Immediately after the Last Supper, Jesus and his disciples walked together to Gethsemane, just outside the walls of Jerusalem. Surely Jesus' words that evening about his imminent betrayal and death must have weighted heavily on the hearts of the disciples as they walked to Gethsemane. Jesus told them at the Last Supper, Truly I tell you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. You would think those words would have stirred the disciples to be alert and ready that night in the Garden of Gethsemane. However, the exact opposite occurred. The disciples, with broken and weak human wills, just like ours, could not stay watchful. Although Jesus told them twice to stay awake and pray, human frailty and weakness of will held them captive. Truly, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. As the disciples slept, Jesus prayed about his impending death. Jesus prayed in the garden, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. But how could Jesus, since he is God, have prayed to avoid death on the cross, terrible as it was? If Jesus knew it was part of the divine plan, why did he pray to avoid it? Some people didn't understand that Christ had both human and divine wills, which worked together in perfect synergy. That is, the human and divine wills in Christ worked together perfectly. Today, we are tempted to ignore the synergy aspect of the Christian life. We are tempted to refuse to work together with God. We, like the disciples, want to sleep in the garden rather than to pray. Now that we are a little bit more than halfway through Lent, we all need to ask ourselves, what have we done differently to improve our spiritual lives? This Lent and Holy Week, will we simply hear again the account of the Last Supper, betrayal, and crucifixion, and act, or rather do nothing, as the disciples did? We will hear the exhortations, repent, do better, love more, fast harder, help the poor more. But how often do we actually change? Will we make a firm resolve to cultivate our souls? Or will we mechanically pass through Lent and Holy Week, going through the motions, not producing any lasting blossoms. Our fallen human wills can prevent us from cultivating our souls. Sometimes we view the ascetical practices of Lent as religious obligations rather than transformative gifts given by God to his church. However, the church understands our habitual sinfulness and lack of willpower. 
The church understands how easy it is for the message of repentance to go unheeded throughout the year. Therefore, the church set aside a special time of the year to focus on change and transformation. Lent is a time for change and transformation. Lent is a time for cultivating our souls. Lent is a time to submit our wills to God's. In St. John Chrysostom's Paschal Sermon, we are reminded that even those who come at the 11th hour are still invited to the feast. There is still time to cultivate our souls this Lent. The cultivation of a soul, however, first and foremost, is accomplished by God. He is the one who transforms our fasting, prayer, and almsgiving and worship into something life-giving. He is the one who raises our broken human wills. He is the sunlight who makes the flower of the human soul blossom. A flowering plant may be planted, watered, and pruned by us, but it is the light of the sun that makes it grow. The Son of God heals our broken wills when we turn to the sunlight. In the sun, the human will is redeemed by the divine will. With men, it is impossible, but not with God, for with God, all things are possible. As a church, we know that Christ has two wills, one human and the other divine. As a church, we know that Jesus came to complete the work of salvation. As a church, we know that God acted, acted in the most decisive manner when he died on the cross in order to redeem humanity's fallen will. That is what brought him to the Garden of Gethsemane. It is the Garden of Betrayal. It is also the Garden of Redemption. Just as Adam's will gave in to disobedience, sin, and corruption in the Garden of Eden, so the new Adam's human will, that is Christ, was obedient to the Father in Gethsemane, obedient unto death, even the death of the cross as we read in Philippians. By his obedience of the will to the Father, he destroyed the effects of sin and death and raised us from corruption. Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane should be our motto as we struggle through Lent and throughout the year. Not what I will, but what you will. Let us make this Lent our own Garden of Gethsemane, a time of extra effort to submit to God's will while preparing for the springtime of the resurrection. We can do the work of a gardener cultivating through fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. Yet, like the gardeners of the Pitti Palace Gardens in Florence, our work, our ascetical efforts, should go unseen and unnoticed. We should try not to bring attention to ourselves. As we labor in our own Gethsemane, let us not forget that it is the divine sunlight, the divine sunlight, the Son of God, who makes spiritual growth possible. 
Without the ultimate goal of obeying the will of God, our ascetical efforts are just vanity. But if we keep the ultimate goal in sight of uniting our wills to God's, the divine sunlight will transform our souls into radiant blossoms. Then our souls will add to the blossoming beauty of the church. Amen.